0: There's a lot of news sites that'll tell you there's a pandemic on the loose and there's riots in the streets and the hurricanes are coming and the murder hornets are here. But if you want to get the important news, then you've come to the right place. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. I, today, will be playing Anchor and my co anchor. Together, we are. (laughs) This is Chris (laughs) (laughs) Sinzak.
1: so professional
0: yeah i tried man i tried that's why we could never have a real news show but i mean this is the important (laughs) stuff right
1: at least to us like i yeah if you watch the regular news you know what you're gonna get force-fed so i I think we're i think we're covering the the more entertaining part of news to us
0: if you're gonna get force-fed news then rely on this stuff because at least it's fun and entertaining and it's stuff that you know it's important stuff
1: yeah for sure yeah, we've, uh, we haven't done a new noise episode since March 9th. That's a, that's the last time we did one. Yeah, and
0: you know what? We haven't covered anything in the last month because we've been celebrating Christmas in July. So we've got a whole month's worth of news to catch up on. And so great, perfect timing. It's new noise.
1: And some stuff is Kiss-related because we can't really leave it alone with some of the stuff we learned this last week.
0: Yeah, speaking of which, you know, I want to say maybe this week we forgo the reviews and look at a couple of comments that we got, because man, last week's episode was pretty cool, you know, when I listened back to it on the edit, I really enjoyed it because it was a snapshot into our lives as little kids of where we came on to kiss and where we grew along with kiss, you know, and I think that struck a chord with a lot of people, just like I knew it would because there's so many other people out there in our circle that have also experienced a lot of these same things and and maybe not even in the same timeline. But still, totally can understand where each other are coming from because we're all a part of the Kiss timeline, and we got so many great comments on the Facebook page and even on the YouTube.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah, we did a little snapshot from the YouTube and a couple of comments that stuck out to us on on Facebook. But yeah, thanks so much. We love getting feedback from you guys. So like that means more to us than anything. We love that you download. We love that you listen. But uh, to get it get feedback from you means a lot to us because it's nice to hear what you guys yeah, think. Yeah,
0: for sure. You know we we started the community, so we get to hear all the cool stories too. Damn it.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: But yeah, here's a couple. You know, Rock and Ron. He's been on the case during the quarantine sessions and all the way leading up into Christmas in July, and now coming into into August. You know, and he's right on the case over at YouTube on Decibel Geek TV, and he uploaded last week's episode, and we got some cool comments over there. Metalcore said, I love Decibel Geek, I love KISS music, and all their albums.
1: <laughs> Works for me.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, let's see. I'll, wait, you read this one. This one looks like it's kind of like your name. You should have an easier time pronouncing it, I think. Put me
1: on the spot, why don't you? Um, Use your Polish powers and pronounce this name, please. Polish powers. Yeah. Superhero. Um yeah, this comes from Steven Zalipski. He Very says, nice. uh New Year's Eve nineteen eighty seven, crazy nights tour, Hera Arena, Dayton, Ohio, front row. Damn good time. Open with Love Gun. See, thanks,
0: that's so cool because everybody has their moments, you know, just like we did, just like we talked about last week. Indie Colt on the YouTube comments says, "Great episode, fellas. Love the old episodes as well. Keep up the good work." So, man, very cool stuff coming to us. And thanks again to Rock and Ron Runyon, our good friend. Man, if you guys missed that episode in the quarantine sessions. <laughs> Oh, I don't know boy. what to tell you.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, like I, we got to give props to Rock and Ron because like, you know, since, uh, around the time that we started the quarantine sessions, we kind of we kind of made an executive decision to, to like start putting cuz like our shows are a lot more they're less uh we're they're less likely to get copyright strikes cuz we've kind of made some changes. So, yeah. Um, and YouTube is a whole audience that so we don't really we've kind of dipped our toe in where Rock and Ron's done some amazing special episodes um for video versions. But uh, I was just like, just going forward, he's been putting up every episode that we've been doing the same week that it comes out. So trying to kind of capture that audience, too. So if YouTube's your thing, you can usually within two days, the, the new episode is up on there. So make sure you subscribe on there, too, and leave some comments on there because we love uh, we love hearing from you.
0: Yeah, it's the only good thing about the uh, whole pandemic is that now rock and ron has no concerts to go to he doesn't have any (laughs) awesome footage to go capture for decibel geek tv he's got nothing to do so the benefit is ours over on decibel geek tv
1: yeah so yeah rock and ron can't get snubbed by steven piercey so he has to work (laughs) on our stuff
0: we'll never snub you ron that's right we got some more comments here from Facebook. Uh, Here's one from Herb Brown. He said, I just listened to your podcast, number 416. Man, sometimes I forget how high we're climbing here on those. Raised on Kiss, great show. This is the first time I've heard you. I'm older than you guys and got into Kiss at the perfect time. Destroyer. I heard Peter Chris sing Beth and my life changed. That album was packed with so many great songs. However, growing up, my parents wouldn't let me go to their concerts because I was too young. So my first concert was 1984 when I was a senior in high school, no makeup. So when the reunion was announced, they weren't playing in Omaha, so I got tickets for Kansas City Kemper Arena, obstructed view. Didn't matter. I finally got to see my boys together again. Love them to this day. But like you guys, I disagree with them about certain things, but we finally got them into the hall of fame and it took long enough.
1: That's a good wow. one from Herb Brown. I like that. Perfect. I'll always love hearing from new people that just now discovered the show.
0: That's a trip, um, man. Hey, Herb, check out the archives, baby. There's all kinds of stuff for a Kiss fan.
1: Yeah. And props to you for seeing them in Kansas City at Kemper Arena. I saw a lot of great shows when I lived up there. Um and I, I love the, the mention of obstructed view. Do you remember in Tom Morello's um, induction speech at the Hall of Fame where he was – his first Kiss concert – I don't remember what tour it was. But he was saying he got uh, he got tickets and they said a partial – it said partial view. Oh, and no. he was like – he's like, oh, it's a partial view of Kiss. So I'm going to like learn something new about them like inside there. And he's like, then I realized really fast that I was just sitting behind a pole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That
0: sucks. (laughs) Oh, well, it didn't deter uh, Herb there. Yeah. Uh, Let's see what else we got. Ray Kersinger says, In grade school, the boys and girls liked Kiss, 1979. In high school, I was mocked by fellow students, but I endured the ridicule. I always stood up for them and by them. In the 70s, I was forever trying to match pieces of half-covered, no-makeup, Face shots to get full pictures of the baddest mofos in rock. Once I seriously had an ingenious plan to remove makeup from my Gene Simmons action figure, not doll. The plan fell through, and my Gene had a peach-colored nose. That's as far as I got. <laughs> I was gonna be the first person to unmask a Kiss doll. Uh, I mean action figure. <laughs> I love that <laughs> see but i could totally relate to stuff like that
1: yeah you that's had to get awesome. very industrious back then to try to figure out what they looked like
0: well <laughs> so. and then like i said that reminds me of like taking the the uh double platinum album open it up putting a piece of paper over the top of it and trying to shade lightly with a crayon or with the side of a pencil or something
1: yeah i oh, was like we always get anytime we've had people on the show that that were around in the 70s and knew them, you know, off stage. It's like it, even to this day, even though we all know what they look like, it's still kind of mystical to imagine, wow, you saw Kiss in 1975 and they didn't have makeup. It just still blows me away, you know.
0: Yeah, just the same way like when pictures are released, like newfound stuff, it comes up every so often, you know, with a lot of different bands. But with Kiss, when a picture comes up that you've never seen before, but it's them, like, hanging out backstage, or my favorite ones are, like, where they're wearing the costumes but don't have the makeup on, you
2: know? Those are so
0: badass, and it's just something, I guess you just have to be a Kiss fan to get it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that stuff's gold for me. I remember, like, the... Some of the first, uh, well, Kiss, the Kiss History book had some photos of them unmasked in the seventies, and then the even before that, I think, yeah, before that, um, the Kiss My Ass home video. Remember that where uh, you know Paul is talking, showing pictures of him and Ace with beer steins, wearing oh, yeah. you know, not wearing makeup. Yep. You know, I remember that was just blow that blew me away at the yeah. time.
0: So cool. All right, one more. Darren Hunt, he says, great episode. You talked about the Nashville show being the day after the show where the drum tech filled in for Pete. Well, I know a tribute band drummer who they had come in. He was backstage in full makeup and costume, just waiting to see if Pete was going to do it. As we all know, he did. He said it was still a great experience, and they treated him great.
1: That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, and that that kind of surprised me because um, I'd never heard anything about that before. And I went ahead on the comments and I sa- I asked was it Steve Clark? Because Steve Clark was a, I want to say he was in Larger Than Life. Maybe it was a different tribute band, but he's kind of like known as the Peter Chris tribute drummer next to Andrew Scambati, of course. Yeah. Um, and and Darren confirmed that it was. So oh, wow. honestly, that's a story that I don't think is out there in Kiss land. So. That might be something we look into because that could be a because like I didn't know they had somebody waiting in the wings at the Nashville show, so that's interesting.
0: There you go, write it on the calendar for July of twenty
1: twenty one. Hey Steve, did you do this? Yeah, we'll come back in a year and talk to us about it.
0: <laughs> Don't do any other podcast until twenty twenty one in July, right. and we'll be waiting on you. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thanks to everybody that leaves us reviews, recommendations, or just comments. You know, like, like Chris said, you know, that's so cool to us to be able to see that, you know, we're doing our part. To round up all the rock and rollers, get them all together and get talking about rock and roll again because it's still important to us. It's never gone away and it's still as good as it's ever been. And you know what? We're glad to be a part of it. So we keep the Decibel Geek rolling. Here we are, 400 some episodes. Wow, getting up to 500 pretty quick. Not bad. But we've always got people to thank because these are the people that help us out the most. And these people are the ones that got out and shared last week's episode is on kiss they shared it on facebook they shared it on the twitter however all that stuff works i don't know all i know is that they're geeks of the week
1: yeah geeks of the week this week are derek laba joseph capone Rock and ron runyon Despel geek tv the bakery podcast aaron baker mike parnell kevin williams david glenn mikhail burrell keith rockford todd cunningham sean cullen Shay hargett Happy birthday by the way, Shay, saw that recently. Mark Alden Taylor, Freeform Rock Podcast, Andrew Jacobs, Jeff Taylor, and Obscuria Podcast, Eladio, Jared Norlander, Doug, Alan Deshaun, Paul Kane, Stick Stickman, Vet Halen, Gerardo Rollo, Chris, Chris Vickery, Brad Kalmanson, and as always,
0: the, the mover food. That's right. Those are our people. They shared, retweeted. I told you all about it before. That's how you become a geek of the week. If you want to become one of these prestigiously awesome people, all you got to do is the same with this week's episode. New noise right here on the Decibel Geek Podcast. Do it. Very cool. All right, so. How do we start the new noise, huh? What's the most important thing that's happened in the last month while we were in history land? um has to be ace fraley news, right? <laughs>
1: yeah yeah, it's uh we have a couple of stories, good and bad to talk about with ace Frehley this week.
0: Well, let's start with the good man. The good news is origins volume two is complete, and we're gonna be getting it this year,
1: yep, it's um. I'm excited for this. I I overall like the track listing. We'll go over that in a second. Um and he released a, a, a first single from it.
0: What'd you think of that, man? Deep Purple Space Trucking, I mean, it's it's a perfect ace cover, right? If he does songs about space, this is one that you can check off the list.
1: The first uh the first single, of course, I like the vocals better than the original, but that's my personal taste.
0: You know what? When it comes to Ian Gillen, I'll actually agree well, with you on this one.
1: Yeah, I think his vocals sound better on this than they have on any of the last couple of records. And that may be because they buried his vocals a little bit more in the mix, but that's always been a complaint over the last couple of records, especially on Origins 1, his vocals were too far out in front. And this time they're a little bit more subdued, which actually works to his favor. He sounds more like 70s Ace on this song than a lot of the more recent stuff.
0: Nice, I like that, man. I was excited the day that came out. Space Ace trucking. Gotta love it, man. What, let's go through the rest of the track list. What's all going to be on there?
1: So uh, the it's, the first song is Good Times, Bad Times by Zeppelin. Um, I could kind of take or leave that pick. I mean, I love that he did um, Bring It On Home. Yes. Yeah, I love that. But
0: he didn't uh, sing the vocals on
1: that one. No, um, Scott Coogan, the drummer at the time, did. And I don't um,
0: think he'll probably sing the vocals on this Zeppelin tune either.
1: I wouldn't think so. Um I don't know. I don't I I mean, does I've heard it, enough Zap on the last one. Does it say on BLS? your
0: list who the guest people are on it?
1: On this? Cuz he's always uh-huh. got
0: cool guests on his Origins album. I guess the last one sure had a bunch of them.
1: Yeah, I'm Slash looking through and the John
0: 5 and all that. Paul
1: Stanley even. Yeah, they mentioned some of the guests on here, but I don't see anything for
0: I think I seen that Lita Ford is doing a song on there with him.
1: I th- she's doing um, Jumpin' Jack Flash, I believe. Yeah, dang it! See, that's the one I'm the one that I'm excited for is uh, Robin Zander doing Thirty Days in the Hole.
0: See, that should be pretty cool with Ace Raleigh really playing guitar on an old humble pie tune.
2: Hell yes!
0: Yeah,
1: and uh, Bruce Kulick's gonna guest on uh, Manic Depression. That's pretty cool, man. Who would have ever thought that
0: in 2020 that Ace Fraley and Bruce Kulick will be on an album together? You know, especially growing up in the era that we did where right. there was so much of a rivalry between those two bands that if you'd asked me in 1989, do you think Ace Fraley and Bruce Kulick will ever play on a song together? I'd be like, are you out of your mind? That's never going to happen
1: right yeah i i'm excited for, to hear what that sounds like because <clears throat> i know bruce is a giant hendrix fan also yeah so that'll be cool i don't and like john Five's guesting on it but he's doing two of the songs i'm not really that excited about he's doing the beatles i'm down and cream's politician they're okay songs but i don't know i would have picked something else yeah
0: they're a little bit different i mean if you're going to do a beatles song it's not like one that everybody does you know and that was kind of some of the complaint about origins volume one was you know white room street fighting man you know uh right. especially wild thing and magic carpet yeah. ride those two are the two worst songs on the album yep. and it's got a lot to do with the fact that you've heard them a million times and everybody covers those songs so if he's going to pick a beatles tune to do i think i'm down's a good one for him
1: i want to he- i want to hear him do hey bulldog
0: see that would be badass i know alice cooper did a really cool cover of that on yeah. that one of them old
1: uh, bob Kulick tribute albums yeah and then also um he's doing never in my life by mountain i love that song
0: wow that should be cool see there you go you uh suggested to him to do a mountain cover and he did it
1: yeah i wanted to see i want to hear him do a theme from an imaginary western just because that's like the inspiration for going blind i think that would have been a cool kiss tie-in yeah yeah, and he's he's covering she on this record, which is interesting. Really,
0: with himself on yeah. vocals, I bet that should be cool. Right. But I yeah, just, you know, I thought if you were going to do that, why why not do it with Strange Ways? You know,
1: I don't know. Like you know, he's he's picked she, which was really technically a Wicked Lester song, and then you know the last record he did um, Rock, Rock and Roll, Roll Hell, Hell, which wasn't yeah. a song he played on either. That's what I
0: liked about Rock and Roll Hell was that was kind of like. What would this song have been like if Ace was still in Kiss right. when Creatures of the Night came out? If Ace played on that album, I would like to hear him do more songs off that album. Maybe do something off of Lick It
1: Up. What, <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, what would a-, a song off Lick It Up sound like if Ace played on it? I don't know. I, I wouldn't change a thing about Lick It Up, though. I think I'd keep it the way would, it was.
0: I'd hear Ace do a cover of uh, Murder in High Heels.
1: <laughs> Well, that's animalized uh, why not well I c- it couldn't be any worse right um but yeah i don't know i am mean, interested to hear the rest of it you know i mean i'm obviously also looking forward to the next originals album i don't know you know like a lot of people uh, there's a lot of naysayers ah you know spaceman and space invader were just not all that good but i don't know i to
0: the fuck I'll they weren't it. they were awesome
1: oh. both of them I didn't, well, Space Man was a step down, I thought, overall. I, Space I, Invader like,
0: was, I mean, pretty great, you know, Space that, Invader was, that was hard was, to top.
1: Space Invader was a good complete record, um, Space Man had moments, like I thought Mission to Mars was an amazing yeah. song, but, uh. I don't know. I'll, I'll even if it's even if it's like a, a half and half good bad record, I'll take it over nothing. You know, I mean, like at least he's giving us material.
0: Right? Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about that the other day. How since like 2015, Ace Frehley's been so proficient with music, and as an Ace Frehley fan,
1: you're not really used to that. You know? <laughs> I know. He's outworking working Paul and Gene in, in that respect.
0: Yeah, that's badass. I love it.
1: Yeah but uh the, yeah so i mean that's interesting I, and i love space truck and i've gone back and listened a few times i like the organ solo on it you know it's a nice tip of the hat to john lord so
0: the video you know, is awesome it's got the dudes from the rock and roll
1: residency in it oh yeah and um i talked to philip and apparently they they are on one of these songs on yes. the on origins too but they won't tell me who, what song it is i so, saw that too
0: yeah that. i'm glad they're playing on something though that's cool
1: yeah so that's cool. But yeah, that, yeah, oranges too coming your way, but uh, we're off to a promising start so far. You know what? And speaking of that,
0: here's something I had on my list for new noise, so I'll just slide it on in there before we get to the next part of the Ace Fraley story, is that the Rock and Roll Residency that you guys know pretty much as the guys as Gene Simmons Band and Ace Fraley's Band have come out with their own EP, self-titled The Rock and Roll Residency. And mm-hmm. I know, Chris, you've heard it. I've heard it. It's freaking
1: awesome. Yeah, it was definitely a worthwhile purchase. So that's
0: something we're going to play. That'll be our rolling out of here song at the end. We're going to play oh, something cool. by The Rock and Roll Residency for you. And we want you guys to go check out that EP because you know what? Those guys are part of history. If you don't have it, you're missing something from your Kiss collection. So make sure you get those songs.
1: Yeah, and they did a um, – did you watch the live stream the other night? No, I missed it, damn it. Oh, you can watch the replay. But oh, nice, that was really? um it was great. I watched that. I watched the whole thing. It was like ninety minutes long. It was amazing.
0: That's cool. We'll have to put the links for this stuff in the
1: episode show notes. Yeah, definitely. It was a. It was a great set, and they, they even played some of the stuff off the new record too. Sweet. Yep. So okay. So we're uh, we're there's two. Stories that we have today that I would classify in the batshit crazy section, and this is the first one.
0: Okay, yeah, this is definitely pretty crazy. You sent me this, and I was blown away by it.
1: So, all right, so where do we start, Aaron?
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Well, you know, Ace Fraley for a long time was dating this woman named Rachel Gordon, and you know, they, what, how long? Like four years? Something like that?
1: Five to seven, maybe? I don't know. It's been a while.
0: But uh, news came out, I guess, earlier in the year that they had split up, and then Ace had, I don't know how, it seemed like he showed up, grabbed a bunch of stuff, and hit the road, you know, but it was all his stuff. But in the process of being in a hurry of grabbing things and getting the hell out of there, he left a bunch of really cool stuff behind.
1: Yeah, and so this past week, um, a website called ladiespaceandace.com got launched, and it's from Rachel. And it's on the description page. As says, memorabilia items were collected over the years while Ace Fraley and Rachel Gordon were married. Technically, they were not married. He's still married to Jeanette, so that's a lie. Um, they are now being presented for the first time for sale on the Internet for your viewing. Many of the items for sale include platinum records, real real tapes of Kiss music sessions, Ace's clothing and jewelry, personal photos, and much more. Man, I took a scroll through
0: some of that stuff. I'm really interested mostly in the reel-to-reel tapes, but and really mostly into that cassette collection he's got. And I'm not talking about he's got an awesome cassette collection. He's got some weird-ass old dubbed cassette tapes of all kinds of weird stuff.
1: That's the thing. It's like a lot of this stuff, I mean, seeing it, it's as a KISS fan, for you and me, obviously, it's cool to see that this stuff exists. Yeah. But... At the same time, this girl is just straight up asking for a lawsuit right now because this is this is not her property. And I think, and you know, with what we know about Ace, more than likely he was just like, ah, it's a bunch of old junk, so I'll leave it there. And then that's the status part. Is I don't know that Ace values the stuff like we do. No,
0: of course not. There's been numerous stories about that over the years where, you know, something that he would throw away, you'd be like,
1: <gasps> you know, oh no, no. Yeah, so it's it's like a, but it but it kinda disgusts me because you know regardless of what happened with their relationship cuz she's also making a lot of horrific claims right now about her and Gene Simmons. Yeah, that's um,
0: that's the even craziest part because she had said something about she had been raped by Gene Simmons and all, yeah. I mean, went that far with it.
1: Yeah, she's like she's begging for a lawsuit. Um I don't know if it's true, then you know, if that if that's if it's true and that's the case, then Oh my god. Yeah, no, that's the um, crazy
0: thing because you don't know what's true or not. What you see here is this chick is she's selling her ex-boyfriend's stuff that she knows is valuable, but it's really not hers to sell, you know, and I'm sure somebody's got to see this and go, you know, hey, she's going to make a ton of cash off this stuff because uh-huh these are one-of-a-kind of items you know you don't realize that cruddy old box a full of cassette tapes is actually pretty priceless to the right people
1: yeah for sure i would yeah, love the- just
0: to you know i'm gonna email her and say hey can i just you know come over with my old cassette player for a while <laughs> check some of this stuff out
1: yeah there's it's like let me get out of, let me get this out of the way first i think it's It's despicable that she's trying to sell this stuff because it's not her, it's rightfully not her property. Um, But at the same time, some of these tapes, they posted pictures of the tapes, and there's some really interesting stuff in here. Um, Like one that stuck out to me was a tape that says Sean singing Rocket Ride. So this is basically the Rocket Ride demo with Sean Delaney singing the vocal. Wow. Um, There's also a Kiss savannah georgia 1979 dynasty tour show on tape
0: yeah
1: um, there's one thing two new untitled songs by eric carr for ace
0: yeah i saw that
1: i'm looking through it now there's a lot of interesting stuff on here there's like there's one that's just called kiss practice who knows what year that's from um, there's a copy of The Elder on here, so I guess maybe Ace didn't throw it out of his car when he heard it. Um,
0: <laughs> he was so drunk, it bounced off the mirror and landed in the back seat.
1: Right. There's also um, a Kiss Dynasty show from Atlanta on tape. Wow. Which I don't I don't know if these shows are available. I don't collect a lot of audio kiss stuff. I used to, but not so much anymore. So I don't know if that's actually like commonly traded or not. But I know a
0: guy named uh, Gary Cap. That's kind of a historian on that stuff of what's you know audio wise what's available out there. I wonder if that's on his list.
1: Yeah, there, but there's also some weird stuff in here from Gene. Like there's there's one. Th- it's called Love Came to Me. It says Simmons on it, and like that's a, that's on the Gene Simmons. Um, vault thing that's an old kiss demo from gene but it's like i think that's after gene was that's after ace was in the band there's some there's stuff from gene in here
0: yeah so why would ace Ace have something like that
1: yeah it's like so it's like how did ace get a hold i don't know how ace got a hold of some of these things like there was some i think it's my life was on one of the tapes but then somebody helped explain that online where you know ace guested on wendy o williams album so right but not that that song no, I think he does play on that song.
0: I thought he played on Bump and Grind only.
1: No, I think, he, well, he at least demoed um, It's My Life. Gotcha. Yeah. But then there's a tape here. There's Secretly Cruel, Hello, Hello, So Many Girls, So Little Time. That's what, Those are asylum demos. Right. So, so I don't know. I, secretly I don't get Cruel, how Ace that,
0: that. that means one of two things, then. Either that song's been around for a long time, or how the hell did Ace get himself a... Gene Simmons tape of songs that he was thinking about using maybe for asylum.
1: Yeah, I guess that's possible. Because like Gene and Paul would also sell other people their songs. So that that maybe that's the explanation for it. Yeah.
0: Maybe hey, Ace, yeah. you know, give me some help here.
1: Yeah, and there's a Eric Carr, Live from the Night. I don't know what that is. Toe in the Line. Huh. Uh, there's... There's a lot of weird stuff in here. There's 80 stuff too. Then there's there's like three messages, There's two uh, two uh, tapes that are me- answering machine messages. I wonder what's on those.
0: So basically, the bottom line here is, if you're a rock and roll millionaire and you swoop in and buy all these things, you're a bad person. Unless you release it all on the YouTube for free, so we can all hear it.
1: Then you're cool. Well. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, you know, with if it was Gene and Paul, I would probably be like, you know, this stuff might see the light of day officially, but with Ace, I don't have much confidence that he would ever release this stuff.
0: See, and that's a shame because if somebody would find these cassette tapes and go, holy shit, you know, is is nobody close enough to Ace really that's a fan enough to go, hey, man – You know, we ought to do something with these. We ought to listen to these, bring them in with a computer, see what we can pull off it digitally, you know, and save these things because look what Gene Simmons just did with his vault. You know, you like to release the Origins albums. They're cover albums. Those are easy. You know what's really easy? Compilation albums. And you know what compilation albums sell is when you're releasing stuff that you have a lot of fans and they've never heard any of it. Right. You know? And so then at that point, you know, it doesn't really matter. Like the vault, that stuff wasn't pristine audio like you'd expect out of a studio album, but you took it for what it was because they're old weird songs that you've never heard before, and that's cool. You yeah. know, so if Ace has got this stuff, man, don't be silly. You gotta release it. Make that money. Oh, I'll buy
1: it. Yeah, and here's the one that that kind of interests me the most. It's a tape. It's Ace Demos, and you can tell that it's from the Dynasty era because Hard Time, Save Your Love, and 2000 Man is on here, which yeah. that's interesting alone. But there's two songs that no one's ever heard on here. One's called Insufficient Data, which I'm sure you got the idea from the Kiss Meets the Phantom movie. Oh, yeah. And then another one called Backstage Pass. So those are two Kiss songs wow. that, that no one's heard. That's the one I want. Yeah. I think that interests me more than anything else on here.
0: To be a billionaire rock and roller, I could buy all this stuff. I just go to people's ex-wives and ex-girlfriends and be like, "What do you got left over from your failed relationships?
1: (laughs) I want to see the mementos." There's another tape that it comes from 1981 when the Elder was being made, and it's funny because it's it's got a song called "Silly Girl." which I don't know what that became. It's got another one called Every Little Bit of Your Heart, which that's what became A World Without Heroes, because that's common knowledge. Yeah. It's got It's My Life, and it's got Sentimental Fool, which I think that became something else. But then in the middle of it, it's got a track called Eric's Better Than Anton. Wow. (laughs) Some people think that that's that's, uh, Escape from the Island. Yeah. Because it shows off the drumming. Huh, that's cool, man.
0: And he um, would call it that.
1: Yeah, but Even what I'm saying Anton's is I, friend. there's a lot of there's KISS fans that have deep pockets that would probably make offers on this, but I don't know if they're going to because it's like it's a lawsuit waiting to happen. You could buy this and then it gets taken away from you.
0: I don't know if it works that way. I mean if you buy it it's yours. It's not your responsibility anymore. It's the problem of the person that sold it.
1: Well, tell that to the people that were displaying Kisses costumes in Detroit in 1995 when Paul and Gene showed up and confiscated all that stuff.
0: Uh, that'd be more like if you bought the stuff off of uh, this website. So you bought that weird Ace set, you know, and then you took it and you digitalized it and put it on CD and then started releasing it for sale. And you're making a profit at that point. Right. But if you release it for free on the YouTube, like I'm asking you to, you could save 2020.
1: Yeah, but whoever buys this is not going to do that. They're going to hoard it. Ah, oh. I guarantee it, whoever buys it is not going to release it. I'm, I can almost guarantee that. If
0: you had that kind of money and you could do it, would you release it? Or would you
1: I would, it? but that's why I'm not I a would hoarder. Too. Yeah, you I know. would too. You could also buy Ace's Gucci shoes. <laughs> I saw. them. <that. laughs> <laughs> I thought, damn, it's
0: too bad Ace really doesn't wear his coolest shoes off stage.
1: Yeah. Well, one thing that would is actually I never wear those. I think let me make sure I got it right, but there is one thing that uh if I'm if I'm looking at it, oh, it's gone now, so it must have sold. Oh, wow. There there was um Oh, well, wait, where is it? Oh, there it is. There's I think it, if I'm right, there's a silk shirt in here for sale, and it's the actual silk shirt that Ace wore at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Oh, wow. So, that's uh, see
0: one of a kind items, but yeah. I mean, what do you do with something like that? You put it on a mannequin and it's a purple yeah. shirt, you know, and people are supposed to go, "Well, what's up with the mannequin wearing the purple shirt in your office? Oh,
1: I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you don't think you would like get mad pussy for doing that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, take off your pants, curly,
1: yeah. That's Ace Fraley's shirt. Yeah, oh, okay. from
0: his Hall of Fame induction <laughs> ceremony. <laughs> I'm
1: glad he asked. And some big 300-pound dude comes up, I'll blow you for that.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised.
1: But the thing that bothered me the most about this was it's not so much the tapes, because I honestly don't think Ace really cares much about the old music. I really don't, which is sad.
0: But he should. And somebody close to him and his management team should know better than that.
1: I agree because it's a gold mine, but like, but also, what bothers me on a moral level is that there's a lot of personal photos from his childhood.
0: Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, pictures of his mom and dad and stuff, and you're selling that to Kiss fans. That's not cool.
1: Yeah, and I was like, I'm looking through the cassettes, you know, and I'm salivating. Oh, damn, I'd want to hear that. But then I get to the personal photos, and I'm looking at these photos of him from high school with his parents, and I'm like, man. It's just like this feels dirty to look at. You know, just like that's that's personal stuff. He, she shouldn't be selling that stuff.
0: Well, then I guess the moral changes. The moral is now if you buy all this stuff, you can keep the Gucci shoes. You got to release all the audio free on the Internet. But you got to give Ace freely his pictures back of his mom and dad for crying out loud. <laughs>
1: it's it's, it, it's just so sad. And speaking of sad, let's move on to our next story.
0: Uh, let's see. Oh no. Just <laughs> when you thought we were out of Christmas in July, this rears its ugly head. What is this? I didn't even see this. What the hell is this? <laughs> this was um
1: this was uh this is a screenshot of a thing that was sent to me from a listener of ours who is still in the good graces of the Vinnie Vincent fan groups. Oh
0: boy, you want me to go ahead and read it?
1: Well, let me just explain. And this wound up on KISS FAQ, too. I didn't put it on there because I usually just ignore this stuff. But this is so batshit crazy, I I couldn't help but talk about it today. And the screenshot runs out, and this message got changed. Um, He said, the guy that told me, the message got changed like three times, and they kept cutting stuff out. So what we're able to read today is more than what you could find there now if you were on there.
0: Okay. All right. Well, this seems pretty far out. Okay. It's uh Vinnie Vincent official announcement to all Vinnie Vincent fans.
1: All six of you.
0: We have arrived at the crossroads of America's survival and our freedom as we witness the firestorm of communism sweeping through our country on the brink of civil war. Are you sure this is from a Vinnie Vincent website?
1: It is. It's this from seems his. like
0: something else. All right, let me read this on. This is
1: from his handler. In
0: less than 100 days, we will know whether we preserved our freedom and the America we love or watch it vanish forever into darkness. Please don't tell me Vinny Vincent's running for
1: president. Good, no, I'm, not, I'm going to withhold my comment. Go ahead. <clears throat>
0: It is with this poignant historical setting that I have decided to bring us together for a very special event. On August 17th, 18th of 2020, Vinnie Vincent Let Freedom Rock Bash will take place at SIR Nashville. I am rescheduling the Vinnie Vincent Invasion Boys Are Gonna Rock concert, which was scheduled for August 8th and 9th, March 2021. <laughs> wow to allow for this special event to take place that's just weird right there why why august 8th and 9th i wonder
1: Hmm. keep going keep going
0: this documentary will be professionally filmed edited and released as a dvd set of these two very special days in october along with a backdrop of america's fight for life and liberty Vinnie Vincent performances will be filmed as they happen, along with the filmed collage of guest interactions of the selected invited fans who will be immortalized forever on a first-of-its-kind Vinnie Vincent DVD. This will be an intimate party where every guest will be captured on film. Their thoughts, opinions, voices, conversations, style, and excitement against a backdrop of our culture at this tumultuous moment in history. Wow!
2: Oh,
1: wow!
0: For a second there, I thought Vinny Vincent was going to announce his presidency, his bid for the presidency.
1: It's just more, so, more batshit craziness from Vinny Vincent. <laughs> But yeah, now this fucking idiot. He's well, like it's he, he's weird, wanting, to, now he's trying to like push a political theme on top of all this shit. And it's like you know, and I love the fact that he talks about how uh, let me go, let me find the place again.
0: A firestorm of communism.
1: Yeah, firestorm. He's like, yeah, he's a he's a big right winger, apparently. Swinging um, through our
0: country on brink of civil war.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah,
0: there is some crazy shit going on, no doubt about it. But I mean. I don't see what that has to do with Vinnie
1: Vincent. I'm picturing Mike Pence getting the boot, and it's going to be a Trump-Cusano 2020 ticket. <laughs>
0: that'll, be like, thought, that'll be like one of them articles, if Trump does this, it's Biden's election to lose. <laughs> right. well, uh, if the, he gets Vinnie my, Vincent as his running mate.
1: Yeah, Trump-Cusano 2020. Oh,
0: my Lord.
1: But I, I like the the part where it goes um, a film collage of a film collage of guest interaction of the selected invited fans who will be immortalized forever on a first of its kind DVD. It's like, well, it's easy to film everybody when there's five people at the event. You know, there's there's gonna be no problem with social distancing at, at his party, I'm sure.
0: Boy, no, I guess not. <laughs> got I don't a plexiglass know. Plexiglass on the other side of the salad. That's all.
1: It's so it's so ridiculous, and like he like you know, he, and you probably I didn't even tell you about this, but like he had he had the thing he had booked for August was a Vinnie Vincent Invasion concert, but he he hasn't announced he hadn't announced anybody that was going to play with him, and you know damn well that Mark and Mark and Dana alone would not do it, uh, and then
0: and even if they did, it wouldn't be at a little tiny rehearsal
1: space. Uh-oh. Mark will never work with him again and Dana will never work with him again. Bobby's Bobby's his only shot at getting somebody from the invasion involved. Maybe Robert, but it just you know, oh, no. so he was gonna think, plan to do that August. I just August. got
0: a feeling like if the money was right and you don't have to talk to him at all, no interaction, all he's doing is playing his guitar parts. He, that's all he's gotta worry about. You don't even have to speak to him ever. He, you get off stage on this side, he gets off the stage on that side, and that's it. And the money was right; they'd do it.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't work that way with Vinny.
0: No, it sure don't, because he'd <laughs> he'd ruin the restraining order immediately.
1: Well, yeah, because I mean, he's I don't know, he's a fucking loony, and like you know, and I and I hate I almost hate bringing this up, but it was so it was so over the top ridiculous that I was like, I have to talk about this.
0: Wow. <laughs> Well, there you have it. In less than 100 days, we will know whether we preserved our freedom in the America we love or we watch it vanish forever into darkness, according to Vinnie Vincent.
1: Uh, I'm just going to listen to Motorhead.
0: All right, so what's up next on the news desk?
1: So this is something that we haven't been able to get to because we haven't done a new noise in so long, but it's kind of been the talk of the rock industry lately. And that's the feud between Chris Jericho and Sebastian Bach. Have you been following this?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw some of that.
1: So essentially it boils down. I think Sebastian kind of fired the first shots where he where he talked about how singers that mime to a tape or, or use tapes as a supplement are are wrong and Chris Jericho denies it and then they like challenge the want they challenge each other to a sing off. I'll sing
0: in your face.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and it's a uh, it's this is I hate to I hate to side with Sebastian on this, but I'm gonna have to.
0: Well, I mean, because then Jericho, which you know, I'm a huge Jericho fan, and I'm a huge Sebastian Bach fan. Sebastian Bach don't like us, do I don't, never understood why, <laughs> but he don't, you know. So, but still, you know, it's one of those things where. Even Chris Jericho said, you know, this, this thing from Sebastian just kind of came out of nowhere. And Sebastian was somebody that Chris Jericho supported. You know, he openly was always a fan of Sebastian Bach, you know. And so I kind of can feel where Jericho's coming from in that because, you know what? We went through the same thing with Sebastian Bach. We never did anything but say good things about him. And for whatever reason, then it comes down to it. He hates our guts. We don't know why. So, you know, we get it. I mean, we do, but it don't make sense.
1: Yeah, well, he's the one person on planet Earth that doesn't like Michael Wagner. (laughs) Right. So, you know, it it boiled down to basically Michael Wagner intimated, and that's a big word like gymnasium, that, um, that that it was hard to work with Sebastian in the studio to record Skid Row. There's a lot more we could share on the show than what we did. Um, But we're not going to.
0: But still, I think when he says that, what he meant was, you know, fuck, man, listen to Slave to the Grind. You know, what human being is going to – are you going to easily be able to pull those vocals out of? You know, you're much better off starting with a Sebastian Bach than you are me, you know. Yeah,
1: well, and like Michael was always very complimentary of of Sebastian. And like anyone who – Anyone who was around at that time, I mean, Sebastian, he was the high watermark in those days. I mean, he was, his vocals, even if it took multiple takes to do vocals, and there's no shame in that. That's normal for recording rock records.
0: And the other thing about Sebastian Bach, too, is, you know, vocally, he's aged pretty well. You know, he still sounds pretty damn good, considering the songs that he's trying to still sing.
1: Oh yeah, and then like no, he's he can't sing like 1990 Sebastian anymore. But that's I mean, the, the, who's going to hold that against him? But like, right, he's held up better him, than most. He, yeah, I mean, we, you and I went and saw him at uh, the Mercy Lounge a couple of years ago, and he was great. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, the there was a little bit of echo added on to certain vocals and stuff that helped, kind of gave him a little bit of uh, assistance. But at the same, but at the same time, it was live vocals. I was, I will just say that.
0: Yeah, no um, doubt about it.
1: But at the same time, him picking on Jericho is kind of also kind of pathetic, though, because it's like, you know, why do you have to pick on this guy? Because I don't know. I just think Sebastian is bored at home personally. But um, it's a thing where he challenged he challenged Jericho. And and, but this is the thing. If you watch footage of Fozzie, it looks obvious that he's using tapes. I mean, it doesn't seem doesn't seem hard to figure out to me.
0: Well, and see, that's the thing that I've always said about Jericho. Like, the first couple albums are really great. But, like, the last album that came out and a lot of the stuff leading up to it, man, there's a lot of robotics on his vocals on those albums, you know? And I I think that Chris Jericho's got a pretty damn good voice, and I like his voice clean, you know? Just like, same with Ozzy, you know? Ozzy's great. We all love Ozzy. But the Ozzy that most of us prefer is the stuff, that was before, like the robo vocals that we get nowadays.
1: It, but it's one of those things where it's funny though, because Jericho goes back and, and you know, and I feel I feel kind of bad for Chris because I think Chris considered Sebastian a friend of his, right? Exactly. They're, they're both Canadian rock guys, so sure.
0: And like you said, he always supported him. I f- I feel your pain, brother.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Sebastian took shots at him at the same time. I mean, it's one of those things where I can kind of see both sides of this because I. I do kind of agree with Sebastian where it's it's not cool to use tapes and stuff. I mean, if you want to be authentic, but Sebastian's also a massive hypocrite in this front because just a year or two ago, Sebastian was defending Paul Stanley going, he doesn't use tapes. He's really singing. It's like, give me a fucking break, Sebastian. Paul Stanley is definitely miming the tapes, So like, why is it okay for Paul, but not for Chris Jericho?
0: I don't know. It's weird for sure. But for Chris Jericho, there's a highlight to it because along with us, You just made Sebastian Bach's list.
1: You're in good (laughs) company. But like Sebastian, I I respect the man's talent. He's a great performer. I love all the early Skid Row stuff. I love Angel Down. I even like Kicking and Screaming. Not as good as Angel Down. No, Angel Down is a
0: freaking awesome album.
1: Yeah. I mean, that album, pound for pound, stands up to the Skid Row stuff, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. But, um, But I don't know. He's just he's still that overgrown 12 year old man and like it's like you you know we interviewed rachel and rachel kind of explained it to us he's just like would you want to work with that every day and i honestly wouldn't so like you know rachel and snake own all the they own most of the publishing for those skid row stuff so they can they can make the money off the songs anyway whether sebastian's in the band or not so it's like yeah we'd all like to see it happen the reunion happen but it's not going to if those guys can make the lion's share of the money without dealing with him i wouldn't want to work with the guy either but that would
0: be the same thing as like we were talking about with like the vinnie vincent invasion you get off on that side of the stage you get off on that side of the stage you never speak to each other but would he actually do it he wouldn't Probably Sebastian not.
1: would fuck it up within two days yeah you know he would and like the thing with chris the thing with jericho though is if jericho go, then jericho does a a lot like a live stream where he does a recording where he's singing youth gone wild acapella did you see that
0: i did see that you know what And it didn't sound that great but it sounded like chris jericho and it's him just freaking singing you know singing youth gone wild i mean
1: grab
0: grab your phone right now and record yourself without any background vocals singing youth gone wild and i'd love to see who sounds awesome you know
1: Yeah, but it didn't help his case at all. Yeah, I was like, maybe that's not, but at all, man. It, 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 it helped
0: his case in the fact that he did what he said he'd do, you know, and he had the balls to do it, whether you know it sounded beautiful or not. You know, you got to give him that.
1: I'll give him that, but it didn't. It,
0: balls it, like to said, do something like that, and then release it when knowing you've got millions of followers.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I man. love it. It's i like, like this is a case where if, I, if I'm Sebastian, I'm like, really, that's your best shot? I mean, Come on. <laughs> You know, but then like his bassist, Sebastian's bassist, because a lot of people are thinking this is a work. But his bassist, is like, no, it's, yeah, not, it's not because staged.
0: because Jericho's a wrestler. Everybody assumes, oh, this is two buddies, you know, trying yeah. to work everybody, you know.
1: <laughs> and I've heard a lot of friends of ours in the podcasting world say, "Oh, it's got it's obviously a work," and I'm like, "But it's not though, because." you know if if it's a work then then Jericho on alone is doing it to his own detriment so it's like you know why would he agree to participate in a work that's claiming that he's doing fake vocals with Fozzy cuz that hurts Fozzie's business
0: Yeah, true. If it points it out, yeah, that doesn't make sense. And And, also, also Jericho's a pretty busy guy. You know, he's got AEW wrestling and all that going on. So I doubt he's got time to fuck around with Sebastian Bach unneedfully. But, you know, I guess when you get called out, sometimes you got to, you know, stand up and be like, okay, well, here it is.
1: Well, it's it's also not a work because Sebastian's not smart enough to play along with it. (laughs) He'd fuck it up somehow. (laughs) So, yeah, it's... it's It's been funny to watch. It's like the modern day version of the uh, Axel versus Vince Neal argument.
0: So you're going to be Team Sebastian on this. I'm going to go Team Jericho.
1: If we're talking about vocal versus vocal against you know live versus pre-recorded, I got to go with Sebastian.
0: Oh well, I'm just sentimentally uh, siding with Jericho then because we're on the list with him.
1: And he's definitely more relevant these days than Sebastian is. But I don't. Um, and plus, I want him to come to Rockin' Pod next year. So she, yeah, that'd be uh, awesome. I want to stay on his good side, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, you don't want want
0: Sebastian Bach coming and making rock and pot all crazy.
1: No, I don't. He's not invited. (laughs) Could you imagine me having to deal with Sebastian Bach, me having to deal with Sebastian Bach for three days? No, thank you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, you dodged a bullet with that a couple of years ago.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The, the equivalent.
0: Wow. Too funny. The list of Bach. (sighs) All right, I got some news. Check this out. I know you've been following this. I don't know if everybody else has been following this, but this is something really cool that you need to check out. Uh, The Tough Diaries just came out with number 16. And if you don't know about the Tough Diaries, this is a pretty cool look at the band Tough, which everybody knows I'm a big Tough fan. But beyond that, it's a really cool look at what it was like trying to be a band Clawing, you know, your way trying to get to the top in that day and age. It's it's really cool insight. Steve Your Shell's a freaking awesome writer. And in number sixteen, you can learn what it's like to be served with a lawsuit while you're on stage. What band hasn't gone through that, right?
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: And also he tells a story about how Lita Ford did not allow her a band. She did not allow her band to hang out with tough. And, uh, she ended up leaving the tour halfway through. And that's some pretty interesting stuff. But I'm a big fan of Stevie Rochelle's Tough Diaries, you know. And I'm, like I said, I'm pretty biased. But even if I didn't like the band or didn't know nothing about the band, this is a really good read.
1: Oh, yeah. I've, I check out all of those. And he's always got great behind the scenes stories. And I, um, I mean, Stevie – I will give Stevie credit. He does not mince words, and he shares everything, even if it's embarrassing to himself.
0: Yeah, that's true. On this one, he talks about, you know, some of the tough times and how a lot of that might have been his fault. Not all of it, but, you know, he accepts, accepts his part in it for sure.
1: Those – they were an interesting band, and, like, not to get off on a tangent, but, you know, they – it, they're one of the many bands that kind of came along like two years too late so you know it it's it's interesting to hear his perspective because he had to live through that stuff Right. And, yeah it's pretty you know thing. and then like all the stuff with uh was it george the guitar player you know like you know, massive drug problem you know it's it's uh it's his diary if you haven't checked it out you know like go to metal tv and check out the Was it called The Sludge Dot? What is it called? The Tough Diaries. The Tough Diaries. Um, It's really good. And like, speaking of which, why the fuck does Stevie Rochelle not start a podcast?
0: I don't know. Like, he could be, I don't know, maybe he just don't want to. Maybe he just enjoys writing.
1: With his stories and his contacts, he could fucking own music podcasting if he wanted to.
0: Well, yeah, all he'd have to do is call it Metal Sludge and it would probably be number one.
1: Yeah, there's people on the Metal Sludge boards that have been begging him for years to start one. I don't get why he doesn't do it because it's not—it's easy to you know, record into a mic and put it out. But yeah. until then, you have us.
0: Right, yeah. We will have to become like that Conrad Thompson and start our, our own thing where each of us have like five extra podcasts besides Decibel Geek where we host with all these famous people.
1: Is that what he does? Shit, yeah. He's
0: got all the wrestling guys. He's got Bruce Prichard. He's got Jim Ross. He's got Eric Bischoff. He basically went out and found all the old time guys in the different coolest parts of wrestling history that were entrenched the most deeply into it, and started podcasts with all of them.
1: Doesn't um, doesn't Hockey Talk Man have a show?
0: Yeah, but I don't think it's a part of that. <laughs> no, it's not because he's like a famous might be, podcaster, isn't he? I don't, I don't know. I've never listened to the Honky Tonk Man's podcast. I gotta imagine he's got one.
1: Maybe I'm confusing. Or he does live shows, I think.
0: I know he does. used to do a lot of them shoot interviews where he talks shit about people. <laughs> talk about his career and all the people he wanted to talk shit about in between.
1: I always loved that character because he was like an asshole Elvis. It was great.
0: Yeah, yeah pretty cool. <laughs>
1: There's nothing better than seeing a guy get a guitar broken over his head.
0: That's right. (laughs) Honky Tonk man's going to sing in your face, Sebastian Bach, and then smash you with a guitar. (laughs) Here's another cool thing from the last month while we were in Kissmas in July. Enough's Enough had their new album come out, Brainwash Generation. I picked it up. I got it. This is cool, man. I never thought I would ever say this, but thank you, Walmart.com. I wanted to order the uh, New Enough's Enough. I was like, holy shit, it's coming out in a couple of days. i got to get on the case and get this thing ordered so I can get it at a you know, reasonable time. And so I tasked the wife with it, and she finds it on Walmart.com. And I think, well, I've probably not a lot of swearing on the New Enough's Enough album, so I doubt I'm going to get like a censored version. Yeah, go ahead and get it. And I ended up getting it in the mailbox the day before everybody else through Walmart.com. Can you believe that?
1: I guess Walmart's good for something.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's the only thing that I'm aware of. What and what's we your just, review of we the almost, record? We almost had a sponsorship and then we lost it for ourselves just in the same moment just there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the what do you think of the album?
0: I dig it, man. I think it's pretty good. It's got some really good songs on it. Got you know, there's some kind of filler stuff on there too a little bit. Um You know, one thing is cool that Donnie V does a song with him on it. You know, obviously recorded in two separate places, but nonetheless, it's Donnie V and Chips Enough on a song together, and it's a damn good one. I feel like Chips kind of found his place as the leader of Enough's Enough. You know, he's kind of been building up to it, but I think on this album, the songs, he just seems more comfortable, you know, like he belongs being the front man of this band. But on the other hand, then you got the Donnie V song to remind you how good you know it really could be when they work together. Yeah. And then the other thing that kind of bummed me about it is that the guitar player, Tori, who's been in the band for years, and man, you know, it, behold to me to talk shit about Enough's Enough, and I never would want to, but this kind of bothered me a little bit that, you know, Tori's been in the band for a long time now, you know, and he's oh. a hell of a guitar player and a hell of a songwriter. And yet for some reason... Not one time does Tori appear on this new album, you know. And I yeah, get I, it; he's not, you know, Jakey e. Lee kind of name, but you know, he's an awesome guitar player. He's a, been a, an amazing contributor to Enoughs Enough for a long time. Why not? You know, I don't, I don't get that. I'm not sure why.
1: And I think I heard that Daniel Hill doesn't play on it either. He plays on some of it. Oh, Okay, well, yeah, yeah. Da- got-
0: Danny Hill plays on some, but. Because- Nothing for Tori on the new Enough's Enough album, which it's just, is kind of yeah. a
1: bummer. And, to, you know, and far be it for me to to bash Chip. But at the same time, I don't get Chip sometimes. It's like what's the thing where Tori's, you know, and like there's a lot of no- Enough's Enough fans that be, might be like, oh, he'll never be Monaco or whatever. He'll never be Derek. Fine. That's fine. He'll never be because he's a different person. But at the same time that dude is stuck by Chip through a lot of rough times, man. Yeah. And, like, you know, it's like the the guy deserves to get it, to be on the album. And, you know, we've gotten to know Tori a little bit over the years. He helped us get Chip on the show, so props to him for that. But, like, it just irritates me that Chip wouldn't let the guy play on the record because he's got something to contribute. And if you, if you haven't heard the new Black 7, Tori's other band, that's worth checking out, too. But it's just like, I don't know, I just... I don't get chipped sometimes. I think some of his decisions are made hastily, you know.
0: Yeah, I don't understand that one either. Nonetheless, the album's pretty damn good. Like I said, there's there's a handful of really, really good songs on here. The one with Donnie V is pretty kick-ass. And, you know, overall, I'd give it, out of five, I'd probably give it three and a half, I'd
1: say. That's not bad. That's pretty positive. Yeah. I don't know. To this, I mean, I, I'm st- I'm always going to be like, have Tori get get Donnie in the band and just do a real record. Well, I mean, the, the
0: band he's got now, which, again, you know, if if it was up to me, if I was in some sort of position of power you know where i say all right here's what's going to happen with this band you know i'm about to sign you this label we're going to make albums we're going to pay you a lot of money but you're going to do what you're damn told donnie v's back in the band chip you're working with him writing songs Tori, you're in there writing songs with him too and danny on drums i mean you already got the band chip has got the band the only thing missing is donnie you know
1: and i agree they're always they're always gonna be stronger together
0: And it's always fun, I think, to be able to pull in, you know, like Ace really does it on his Origins albums, pull in special guests to sing songs and do different things on the album. That's always a lot of fun, and it's cool to associate with other musicians that you respect and stuff. But man, you know, there's something for a band coming together. And I know a lot of these songs are the songwriting credits. Tori's got a few on this album, you know, and as along along with Danny, and uh, you know, so they had a hand in in creating the songs so i don't know there's something about a band that's together they write the songs together they go in the studio together they go out and tour together you know that's a that's something special there you know so i don't know damn it chip you've got a great band don't let them go to waste
1: yeah i mean that the the regardless of you're in my fandom that the the appeal is limited on a on a mass scale so it's like they should probably make smarter decisions in my opinion right now
0: yeah i think so too
1: so uh you want to talk about overkill
0: uh yeah i'm always good to talk about overkill
1: so i thought this was cool uh, overkill drummer jason bittner's confirmed to bods mayhem hour in a new interview that the band is hard at work on a new studio album it says technically we we're supposed to already be done with it by now if the world hadn't changed back in march um, but now, due to the fact that we're not pushing for a re- release that quickly, it's given us a little bit of time to hone the songs a little better and spend some more time and whatnot. Right but, so there's about seven songs out of 11 demos that they have. I don't know about you, but if there's anything during this ridiculous time that we're going through, um, I would love a new Overkill record because they are the most consistent thrash band on the planet.
0: Shit, yeah, and you know what? The the headline of this article here is no surprise that Overkill is hard at work on a new album because that's the way Overkill is. I mean, if they're not hard at work on tour, they're hard at work on a new album. And that's just the way they are. That's the way they operate. They're constantly putting out new albums. But the thing is, is the albums they come out with are really good. You know, They're yeah. some of the best stuff. That, I mean, Overkill's got a long career and a discography just loaded full of great thrash metal albums over the years. And to be putting out some of their peak performance material nowadays is pretty cool. You know, there's just a handful of bands out there that are doing that right now, but Overkill, man, ain't nobody more consistent than them.
1: Yeah, and I agree. I mean, and I think they're kind of like the thrash version of Striper where I think they're putting out some of their strongest material lately compared to the old stuff. So like, you know, like the Grinding Wheel, Wings of War, White Devil Armory. I mean, all those records are fucking great.
0: Man, how about that 2021 Overkill and Striper
1: tour? Oh, I would fucking buy that ticket for that in a heartbeat. Damn right,
0: that'd be so awesome! (laughs) (laughs)
1: That'd be a great tour.
0: Yeah, it would. Perfect. I love it. All right, what else we got in the news? Let's see. Oh, I'm a little pissed off at Baco. Why? Because he left me to find this out myself, and I was shocked. So Ron Keel, Vinny Apice, and Rudy Sarzo got together and did a cover of Die Young off of Heaven and Hell by Black Sabbath.
1: I didn't know that. It's
0: freaking awesome. And not only did they do the song, but Ron Keel made a video to go with it. And I watched this unaware. And Baco, he's the guy I count on. He's the guy we all count on. To keep us up to date on the Ron Keel news, hot news. We should be going to him right now. News flash from the hot tub. Baco, what's the latest on Ron Keel? And he would have told us, did you know Ron Keel shaved his head bald? Yes, I did. How long ago did this happen?
1: He did it um, probably two years ago. His wife Renee had come down with cancer and was going through chemo, so he did it kind of in solidarity with her. So
0: this, that makes sense then because in the video, he's in the snow. And I was wondering, where would he be to film this video in a cemetery in the middle of a blizzard, North Dakota? But not this time of year. So that must no. be an old
1: video. But I was shocked. But was you it know like what? a Sabbath tribute record?
0: I don't know if it's from a tribute record. All I know is the video just came up like a couple of days ago. And I saw it and oh. was like, Ron Keel's bald. And he still looks fucking cool as hell.
1: Yeah. Ron always looks cool. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Man, pretty soon that, we're all going to shave our heads bald. Everybody keeps doing it.
1: I'll I'll definitely check that out. I love that song, though.
0: Yeah, and it's badass, man. Really cool. Ron Keel is a fucking awesome vocalist, man. That dude just wails. And, you know, he's doing some old-school Dio vocals on this song, just nailing it. And then the video
1: is badass, too. That's not an easy song to sing, for sure. Hell no. That's but great. He nailed
0: it in his own way. It was great.
1: So I've told Baco to uh, keep a surprise when yeah, in Yeah, Baco, the
0: what's up, man? <laughs> oh, coming to you live from the hot tub, there's nobody there.
1: So I talk, can we talk about the uh, a black crow story? I know yeah. they're not really our normal thing.
0: Sure, why not?
1: So did... I don't know. I, I listened to the audio book that Steve Gorman, who was the drummer for the Black Crows, put out. Did, have you checked it out?
0: No, but ever, I've heard from multiple people that's something I definitely need to do is listen to that. Because as far as like a, an interesting rock and roll story, it doesn't get much crazier than that, I'm told.
1: So like people that listen to this show, <clears throat> they like that we can pull the behind-the-scenes stories out and everything, get kind of to the nitty-gritty on stuff. Steve Gorman's book, I can't remember the name of it right now. But, um, check this thing out because he does not pull any punches. It's like one of the most brutal, honest rock bios I've ever read, and uh oh, it's called Hard to Handle the Life and Death of the black crows so um so, in the book, and like there's a th- this is an update story that I sent you, but <clears throat> In the book, like, so you remember that, I don't know if you remember that, like, remember there in the nineties, there was a time where Jimmy Page was kind of guesting with them on tour.
0: Yeah. Jimmy Crow or, uh, Jimmy Page and the Black Crows, they did a live album together.
1: Right. So like he, Jimmy Page was very invested in the band, loved all their music and went out on tour with them and they had great shows and everything. Well, in the book, this is like the most ridiculous story, but Rich Robinson, the guitar player, Who's kind of the boss of the band? It was Rich and Chris, the brothers Robinson, that were kind of they kind of were the leaders of the band. And in the book, Steve Gorman claims that um, after that tour, Jimmy Page was basically trying to work with them on doing a record together, where he would he would help write and produce and everything. And in the book, Steve Gorman claims that Rich Robinson, like Jimmy, contacted Rich Robinson, and Rich Robinson goes. Yeah, well, we've got a lot of songs already for this album, but thanks anyway. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, he turned down Jimmy Page being a part of their record. And And in the book.
0: Save those songs for another time, maybe, or something?
1: I don't know. But in the book, Steve Gorman recounts wanting to literally go to Rich's house and murder him. Yeah. Is that something like.
0: like, I can't do an album with this guy overshadowing me. You know, that's going to push me yeah. I'm, I'm already not the star because my brother is the the lead the front man of this band this is going to push me even further down the totem pole and i'm supposed to be the guy in charge here man. yeah and that's pretty soon i'm gonna have to hang out with steve gorman
1: well and i think that's where steve was coming from in the book but apparently somebody interviewed rich robinson recently and rich straight up denied it he goes no there's no way If 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 jimmy page wanted to do a record with us i absolutely would have done it but Steve Gorman came back with, "Well, if I had said no to that, I probably wouldn't want to want to own up to it either." Yeah, I, just, I suppose not. <laughs> I don't remember that. But so like, yeah, like Jimmy Page, you know, came to him later and was like, "Oh, I was really hoping we could work something out." And, and Steve was like, "What are you talking about?" And he goes, "Well, Rich turned me down." And it's like, he's like, "What? We could have done a record with Jimmy Page." <laughs> <laughs> Please, Jimmy so,
0: <laughs> Page, let's start a band together. Save me from this wreck. Get me out of here.
1: So, yeah. So it's uh that if you haven't read steve gorman's book hard to handle it's definitely worth your time because it's got some amazing stories in it
0: i got to check that out you're not the only person i've heard that from
1: yeah it's it's i'm not even a giant black crows fan but i i listened to it twice i enjoyed it so much right on yeah
0: have you heard about this thing Dawkins got coming out (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, well they did out something really recently with like old songs yeah uh, that's what I'm
0: talking about the Lost Songs 1978 to 1981 that's coming out on August 28th it's it's old old docking stuff that was never released but it looks like George Lynch is on some of it and I gotta imagine if some of these songs are the German tunes like around that era.
1: You got Don Docking solo then, right? You got to think that.
0: Yeah, that's what I think because if you think like the late seventies, that would have been Don Dokken before it was actually the docking that you come to know and love in the United States. You know, a few years later. Right. So I wonder if Michael Wagner's got his hand in any of that that stuff because I know he was oh, spent, spent a lot of time together in that era.
1: Yeah, I gotta imagine Michael's probably involved in some way for that.
0: But I'm interested to hear these songs that are like I don't know, Dawkins kinda of one of those bands that it's like Whitesnake, you know, people didn't know really a whole lot about White Snake unless you were old school until they came to America and got on M T V and then they were superstars. Dawkins, same thing. You know, Don Dockin had been out there doing stuff for years, and even the incarnation of the band that would come to be had been slugging it out for quite a while before they finally got on MTV and started getting some exposure and stuff. So, yeah. you know, there's always, like, the, the early European versions of some of these bands, and Dockin's got some stuff coming out that I don't think anybody's heard before.
1: That's pretty Yeah, cool. I definitely want to check it out because there's some really good stuff in, in that from those days. And it's funny you mentioned Dockin because um, there's a show... Called Good Company with Scott Bowling that I I do the I produce the audio version of the video show that he does and he did a he did a like a round table thing with Brian Head Welch from Corn, um, Morgan Rose from Seven Dust and Rich Ward from Fozzie, right on. where they're going through their favorite eighties rock records and and Brian held Brian Head Welch's one of his picks was Dawkins Tooth and Nail nice. And they all just kind of gush over George Lynch and and and, and I, that reminded me, when you and me met Brian at the film screening, we, we brought up, because at the time we were trying to court him to be the guest at Rockin' Pod, Yeah, and uh, he had mentioned Dockin, how George Lynch was an influence on him. So I was like, I told Scott, I'm like, I'm so glad he brought up Dokken, because that kind of verifies what he told us, that George Lynch was an influence on him. Yep, that's cool, man, I like that. yeah. But Yeah, this I, I Dawkins, man, Dawkins is one of the more underrated 80s bands that there is, in my opinion.
0: And then if I'm not mistaken, I think they also have a new album in the works of actual new music, too.
1: Well, I don't know if I'm as excited about that. I mean, have you seen the recent footage of Dawkins playing live?
0: Uh, is he injured or something?
1: Well, his, his arm is fucked up from surgery because he says he can't play guitar anymore. Not that Don was ever much. I mean, I heard Don was a great guitar player back in the early days, but yeah. His vote by his vocals are bad. It's just he's uh, his voice is shot. Um, did you hear this news about Ellison? Uh, no. Uh-uh. So, Ellison, which is basically the partnership between David Ellison and Tom Hazard, yeah. they've decided to do this thing. It's a covers LP called No Cover, and it's a it's a whole covers record with different guest stars on it. And I went ahead and donated to the GoFundMe on this because I want to help see it happen just because I love those guys. But there's a hell of a list of guests on this thing. Um, so, like, some of the guests are Bumblefoot, Charlie Benante, Eddie Ojeda, Dave Lombardo, Brandon Yegley from Crobot, Dirk from Megadeth, Frank Hannon and Troy from Tesla, Mark Slaughter, Jason McMaster, uh, Chuck Beeler from Megadeth, Gus G., Doro Pesh. Todd Kearns, a ton of Al Al Jorgensen from Ministry.
0: You know, I I hear stuff like this and I think, you know, Bob Kulick invented all this. He was the guy that made the tribute albums where the artists didn't even have to be in the same room. You know, you'd have. The core band would record the songs and then you'd send them to the lead guitarist that you're having on here or the bass player to record over or the singer then lay the vocals on and then they send it all back to Bob and he puts it all together. Those guys in those old tribute albums, they're not all in the same studio together. That's the way it was back then. And now Mm -hmm. it seems like that's the way everything is.
1: Yeah. And yeah, Bob deserves credit for that format for sure. Because that was that was a big thing in the '90s, and now it seems like it's coming back around. Yeah, he
0: pre- he but predicted
1: like, it. Some of the there's a few tracks on here that really piqued my interest. Like the first track is "Free Will Burning" by Judas Priest with Jason McMaster, Gus G, Andy James, and Dave McClain. I'm excited to hear that.
0: That Jason McMaster from Dangerous Toys. Yep. Nice.
1: Also, uh, "Tear It Loose" by Twisted Sister with Eddie Ojeda on it. Right on. Um, Love Me Like a Reptile, the Motorhead song with Jeez. Doro Pesh singing.
0: Oh, fuck yeah, man. Oh uh, man,
1: that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Riff Raff by ACDC with Jason McMaster and Dave Lombardo on drums. Right on. So and then they, they act and there's several There's Say What You Will by Fastway with Troy Lucetta and Mark Slaughter singing. Nice. And then uh they have released one single. They released it Wasted by Def Leppard that has Frank Hannon, Jacob Button. Dave McClain and Bumblefoot, and I got to say, our buddy Tom Hazart sings lead vocals on this dude, and he fucking slays on it. Sweet, he sounds amazing, and I got to—I mean, I've heard Tom sing with the Ellingson Project, but he's his vocals on this are fucking amazing.
0: That's awesome. I
1: gotta check yeah. this out.
0: I might give myself a little pre-order action on that myself.
1: Yeah, it's 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 gonna be really cool. I mean, it, it looked and like the. The cover art, they put they basically took the on through the night with the from Def Leppard with the the semi truck and the guitar coming out on top. Uh-huh. You remember that cover? Yeah, of course. And then it's got so it's got Ellefson across the grill and they took the uh, headstock from Dave's Jackson bass and put it over the the top of the truck. Right on.
0: That's <laughs> so, awesome.
1: But yeah, I'm uh, I'm super excited to uh, to hear the whole thing.
0: Right on. That's cool. I like it.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I've only got one more that I thought of for this week. Have you heard the new Marilyn Manson song? I have not. It's a tune called We Are Chaos. It's got a video with it. Do not eat mushrooms and watch this video. (laughs) I didn't do that. And boy, am I lucky. That video is insane. You'll, you'll watch it and be glad you didn't, or you'll want to go get some and watch it again. One of the two, but you know what? It's not bad. I kind of like it, you know, and it's been a little while since I've heard a Marilyn Manson song that I really, really like. You know, it's been it's been a while.
2: Yeah. The last
1: couple of records he's done have not really done much for me. So I'm I'm interested. I'm not going to watch it tonight because I'm eating mushrooms right now. (laughs) Do not watch it.
0: But no, it's pretty cool. I had to check it out because, you know, I like Marilyn Manson. I like a lot of the old stuff, but I haven't heard nothing in a while I like. But this is pretty cool. And this is him working with Shooter Jennings. So it's like, oh, I don't know, it's got some guitar in it. That's for sure.
1: That should be interesting. But it's kind of a mellow,
0: little bit heavy. I don't know. It's different for sure. But at first I was like, eh, and I listened to it one more time. I was like, yeah, I feel it. This is pretty badass.
1: I've so, heard good things about it. I'm, I actually,
0: I'm actually looking forward to a Marilyn Manson album this year now, so it's been a while since I could say that.
1: I've had several people I know posting up raves about it on Facebook, so yeah, I'll check it out.
0: Right on. All right. You got anything else, or is that it? Is that the news?
1: Well, this is kind of uh, this is the last one I'll do. Um, <laughs> this is funny. Metallica's Lars Ulrich has no regrets about the St. Anger drum sound. He says, I stand behind it 100%
0: wow even in retrospect i don't know about that
1: yeah so lars ulrich is eating mushrooms
0: that's kind of like if you (laughs) blow off jimmy page and then years later somebody asks you about it you go no i don't remember that that's that's not how that went lars is the opposite he's like yep i did it and it was awesome You you just be like you know what we fucked up that album but we were experimenting and Oh, well, what are you going to do? You know, maybe see, and then that would open the door to saying, hey, let's re record some of those songs the way they're supposed to be.
1: I don't know, but like, you know, there was an interview with Bob Rock like a week or two ago where he was defending it too. Well, and he was saying
0: that's what he was saying was that, you know, they were looking back on some of their earlier stuff and some of the sounds some of the ways that they would capture the sound. And one of the things was what they'd done with the drums. And once it was set up and he got it, he was like, yeah, this reminds me of something, you know, some kind of throwback. And then they just went with it and nobody said nothing. So that's just the way it ended up.
1: Well, and like, you know, anybody who's been in a band will know, like basically the the the, the St. Anger drum sound, it's a snare that's not clipped in. So like this, like a snare drum has these little, thin metal, like metal coils that go underneath the stair drum. Right. And when you clip it in and lock it, that's where you get the pop. But if you don't clip it in, it sounds like a fucking garbage can being hit. And so that was the whole way the whole thing came about was Lars left it, left it unclipped and started hitting it. And they go, that's the sound we want to go with that. And it's like, wow. And they, but once it was like decided, they just basically, stubbornly continued with that sound but like i don't know man i and i, I think he you just know, he
0: forgot to clip it in and nobody noticed until the album was halfway done and then they're like oh shit this hasn't been clipped on the whole time Lars was like oh man i thought i had it i thought
1: i had it clipped on uh-huh. all the way
0: what do we do now you know we can't start over well leave it leave the sucker unclipped we only got three songs to go
1: no, they, they. Even in this interview, he says that, that that was the sound they wanted. They liked it. Wow. And I don't know, man. It's just so, it's so bizarre that Bob Rock, who's known for such big sounding fucking records like Doctor Feelgood and the Black Album, is like, yeah, that's the sound we want. It's, it just tells me that I think Metallica was bored and they were like, fuck it, let's just do something different. So
0: the mid two thousands were a strange time. If you remember it, you weren't really there. Yeah.
1: But I mean, they, you know, and like the, a lot of people bash the Some Kind of Monster documentary, and for good reason, it's got some really cringeworthy moments. But if you watch it just from a musical standpoint, it's a band that got too big so fast where, and they had run out of ideas because they toured themselves into the ground before that record. So basically,
0: if you filmed a documentary on the making of the Elder, you'd end up with the same thing.
1: Pretty much, because it's a band that's out of ideas, struggling to come up with ideas.
0: Ah, that's tough man, and what you get is sane anger. The worst Metallica album of them all. Hands well, next up. to Lulu. No question about it. But yeah.
1: But they put out Hardwired, and that helps make up for it.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's not just the news, those are the facts. Right. As we know them. All right. Well, it was fun to get back and do new noise. I mean, we've been doing kiss so long. I mean, shit, half the episode was kiss anyway, but that's just, that's just (laughs) us. We can't help ourselves. You know, you might love us for it. You might hate hate us for it, but know that we just can't help ourselves. So that's us, the decibel geek podcast, bringing you the news that matters. And so as we end this today, as promised, brand new music from the rock and roll residency yeah you know them as gene simmons band yeah you know them as the ace fraley band but if you're from here in nashville like chris and i are you know that they're the rock and roll residency do you have a preference i love the whole thing it's an ep it's available out there now chris is going to put the links in the show notes so you guys can check it out and you definitely want to support these guys but i like it all you got a preference on a song
1: I love them all too, man. I I guess maybe go with the instrumental track that's kind of the single right now. I think he's playing guitar.